Okay, so the first reading is from Exodus chapter 1, and I'm just going to read a little selection working through that bigger story of um, how God fed the Israelites when they were in the desert. So verse 16. They set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and had ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, verse 4, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. And then jumping on to verse 11. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And in the morning dew lay round the camp. And when the dew had gone... There was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given. Gather of it, each of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered, some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little, he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning. And it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. On to verse 34. As the Lord commanded many to be kept, the people of Israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And just a short reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 38, B to 9. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God.
Look, for those of you who knew my start to this morning, um, I had this colossal nosebleed and uh, it went for a full hour and I was wondering when is it going to stop. So if you were praying for me, and I know some of you did, God answered, but you know what he's like? He is a just-in-time God. I have experienced that so many times in my life. Just in time, God does what is necessary. So praise God that I can uh, preach and my nose isn't bleeding anymore. Uh, I want to add my welcome to Michael's welcome. Uh, those of you who are back on holidays, hope you had a lovely, refreshing break. Uh, us today, we're looking at this uh, fourth petition uh, of the Lord's Prayer, our Lord's Prayer. But I have a reading that goes with the passage in Matthew 6. And please turn with me to Matthew 6, 25 to verse 34. It's in the same slab of scripture that the Lord's Prayer is in. And uh, you can see how Jesus... Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Jesus is speaking. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I'd like to pray before we proceed as we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us in this time of reflection and meditation and teaching. Father God in heaven, your fatherly hand provides us with everything we need for godliness and for living. And many of us will bear testimony to that, uh, how in our lifetimes you have been a God who has provided uh, sometimes with great abundance, other times just in time so that we can continue to live and serve you. Holy Spirit, we pray Give us understanding, give us listening ears, help us to apply what we hear this morning, that we may leave this place with uh, some added understanding of your goodness, uh, our partnership with you and your kingdom, and how you provide for us to be uh, children of the living God, serving you and witnessing your name in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm wondering if any of you are planning to eat today. Uh, maybe someone here is on a fast and you're not going. And I guess some of you have already eaten today. I haven't yet, but uh, I hope to later on. 
So if you plan to eat today, we are hoping that God will supply what we need. Well, in this fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, uh, by the way, can we go back to that loaf of bread? That's my favourite bread. I don't know what, what you think, but when I see that bread, I prefer that much more than cake, personally. Um, but I just love that loaf of bread, daily bread. Thank you for that. So this fourth petition is uh, in a transition of the Lord's Prayer. The transition is that we've been seeing how Jesus wants us to pray according to God's big agenda. And we learnt over the previous weeks what God's big agenda is. And it's the coming of his kingdom. That's his big agenda. And now we see the transition into our daily needs. Why? So that we can partner with God in the coming of his kingdom. See, God wants to have that happen. And he says, I want you involved with me. And I know one of the things you need is daily bread. So Jesus actually connects that in Matthew 6, 33, doesn't he? He says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, what you eat, what you wear, what you are going... So that's the great thing about our Father. He is doing the really big stuff, the kingdom coming. And yet, notice his concern for us about seemingly insignificant things. Although I must say that bread is not that insignificant. Uh, maybe if we have heaps of bread, we don't think of it as significant. But if you are starving, and if anybody gives you a loaf of bread, man, you are thankful for that bread. So God wants us in on his plans. That's what the Lord's Prayer is teaching us. But he also wants to join us in it. And even more practically, he wants to help us seek his kingdom daily. And in order to help us do that, he provides for our daily needs. So the Lord's Prayer is wonderfully practical and also supremely balanced. But when we check out this prayer, and you know the text is quite simple, uh, give us this day our daily bread. When we check out this prayer, we, we need to, to think about where we are in our culture and where Jesus was when he was speaking this in the first century culture. Because the people who were listening to him about this daily bread, they were living on a daily basis close to the land. For instance, many of them had to grow their own food or they caught their own fish or raised their own animals for their daily meals. And if they had something extra, they would sell that to supply other needs. And so they didn't have bank accounts. They didn't have supermarkets. They didn't have credit cards. They didn't have warehouses. They lived from day to day. No one in that culture could have walked into a pantry at home or opened the doors of the fridge and see all that food. That's not how they lived. They lived on a daily basis. So living close to the land perhaps would make us a bit more aware of what it's like to live on a daily basis growing your own food and maybe being aware of how our food comes to the table will bring us 
a bit more closer to God who created everything. And so I'll ask it another way, and I think this is a bit provocative, but that's okay. How close to God and how dependent are you on him if you think your food comes from the supermarket or your pay packet? If you see food on the table and you think pay packet or supermarket, perhaps you haven't thought enough about where the food actually comes from. And so that's what Jesus is actually teaching us here. And the Exodus reading is about God gathering a people out of Egypt. He takes them through to the desert. And you know what the Israelites are like. You know, they have things like miracles, the, the water parting for them to go through. And some weeks or days later, they grumble. And, and you know the grumbling that happened in that text? Oh, I wish we had the meat pots and the onions and the leeks of Egypt. Are you kidding me? You were slaves. And here they are free, and now they're grumbling and moaning about the food. Are you going to kill us in the desert? But God leads them. He provides for them. And this wonderful provision of manna. Now, the word manna, manna, actually, in Hebrew means, what is it? They didn't know what it was. Bread from heaven that you can just pick up off the ground. And then God said, gather as much as you need. And what did some people do? Oh, bread, bread, bread. Gather, gather, gather. They weren't sure if God was going to do it the next day, you see. In the morning, they go and look at their pot and <laughs> it stinks. Because what was supposed to be eaten that day is now rotten and rotting. What was God teaching them? In, in this Exodus experience, in a couple of words, it's daily dependence on him. He explains this. In answer to this petition, it says, Give us today our daily bread means, do take care of, we're speaking to God in prayer, do take care of our physical needs so that we come to know that you are the only source of everything good and that neither our work and worry, nor your... And so help us to give up our trust in creatures and put trust in you alone. So this morning, we're having a one-point sermon. It's one point with a few parts. Okay. So what I'm going to do is translate this passage into the original, or from the original, and then bread for the day, give us today. That's a literal translation. Our bread for the day, give us today. Bread. Bread. What does Jesus mean by bread? He doesn't mean money. Some people call money bread. He doesn't mean that. He means it's the most basic universal need for food. Not the bakery bread necessarily. It stands for the necessities of life. But bread in this petition also means moderation. It's what we really need to live. We are praying for God to give us the essentials. Essentials. Not what we want. Or not what we think we need. But what he knows we need. And that can be different, can't it? You see, God may give us more. He does give more to some people. Some people get less. That, that's a reality of life. And Jesus is asking us to pray 
for what is necessary to sustain our lives. And it's a, it's a wise prayer from Agar in Proverbs 30 that we read. This prayer is crafted in a way that matches what Jesus is saying here. Agar says, Give me neither poverty or riches, but only give me my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So that's bread. Now Jesus says, our bread give us. And we have to notice again here the plural. It is not my bread, it's our bread give us. So God is actually teaching us something really important here. God in his own mind is communal and global. He thinks like the globe and he thinks like lots of people. And so he wants us to be communal and global as well, of all people. And Jesus wants us to have a similar mind, the way he showed it himself. Remember when the crowds were hungry and he looked upon the crowds? He didn't single out one person. He singled out the whole crowd and would feed them. And this global mindset, as we pray this prayer, is so that our care, our concern around the world, but it actually goes further. It even extends to people who don't share our faith, people in other countries. And we pray for their daily bread to be met as well. We with more are able to share with those with less. And, and, and that's important because our culture and our nature teaches us to be selfish. God wants us to think globally about the needs of others. And hopefully when we pray this prayer about our daily bread, we do think about other people too who might not be having as much as we. Notice how God does it from the very beginning. When you look at, I mean, he made them, but he did more, didn't he? He made the land, he made the animals, and on God's mind was a growing world. And then in Eden, God says to Adam and Eve, I give you a mandate. Your mandate is to cover all of creation. God is global in his thinking. And another aspect is what we see in the Old Testament, in the farming laws. For instance, the farmers when they were sowing their crops and then having a harvest, were to leave some grain in the fields for the poor and the widowed and the homeless and the dispossessed. So when we pray for our daily bread, remember it's a wider thing than just yourselves. It is global and it is communal. The next word in the passage is the word give. We're asking God to give us. And we're approaching God because he told us he does love to give. He's a willing giver. And so we can ask him always for the necessities of life. And our God is a father who loves to give good gifts to his children. He loves it when people ask in faith. Because our asking becomes an act of dependence. We trust God. We look to him expectantly to meet our needs. And God loves to hear those sorts of prayers every day.
He wants to keep in touch with us. And he wants us to keep in touch with him in this prayer. You see, for myself as well, and I'm sure it's true for you, we hurriedly start our day. The alarm clock goes, we get up and we race off. And how much time do we actually give for God in our day? The fact that we rush around and hurry grieves God, I think. Because he is described in the Bible as our dad, our Abba, our daddy, who loves daily communication. He loves it when his children come to him and ask for the things they need, just like you are when your children come to you, when they say, Daddy, Mommy, can I have a banana, please? Can I have an apple? Can I have a slice of bread? What, what are you going to do? Of course you're going to give it to them. They're your children. You love them. And that's how God is when we ask for him to give. And then we look at the word daily. The word daily means for the needs of today. How many times a day do you stop to eat? A few times. How many times a day do you stop to give God thanks? A few times. Imagine if every time you ate something, you decided that this is a reason to thank God. Sometimes you might pray a more formal prayer around your mealtime. And I do hope we still pray around mealtimes. Because I know that the pattern is that we gradually drop it. And then if parents drop it, have a guess what? Your children will even drop more. And so this is really a reflection on as we think about God, our provider, daily we have an opportunity to talk to him daily, to think about what he's giving us. Let's not be too busy for God. That's not healthy at all. And if you are, we need to slow down and think and take our relationship with God seriously because he's so serious about us and he's proved how serious he is because he chose to send himself in his one and only son, Jesus Christ, not only to teach us the way to God, but to prepare the way for us to be with God through his death and resurrection. Have you ever experienced such a great rush to get off again that they don't even bother to say thank you? Has it ever happened to you? You help someone and off they go, not a word of thanks. So I think maybe sometimes our kids can be like that. They, they just get what they need off, not even a thank you. But it's nice to be appreciated. And if you think from God's, it's also nice to be appreciated, just as you are when your children say thank you. But you know that a day is coming when everyone who's ever lived on this earth is going to be called to account for how God has provided them. You know, we, we think about people who don't know. Be judged by how God provided for them, for the food that he gave them. Or they're going to be uh, taken into account by their lack of response to God. And God will judge that as well. You see, everyone on this planet receives food from God. In fact, we're on his son. He gives us the soil, he supplies the water, he makes things grow. 
So God deserves daily recognition for the way he provides for us. And look at Psalm 65, verses 9 to 13. It'll be up on the screen. Look at the language. You care for the land and water it, says the psalmist. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with corn, for so you have ordained or prepared it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. And then verse 11. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts, God, overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with corn and they shout for joy and sing. So when God provides for you daily, we see creation shouts for joy and sings. How about a response like that from us? To shout for joy and sing at the way God provides for us. I know that joy is good for you. And if I was a doctor and people would come to me because they're lacking something, I might write a prescription. Uh, you need more joy. Actually, I'm not a doctor, but I am a soul doctor. And as a soul doctor, I can say to you, joy is good for you. It's good medicine. Lastly, Jesus says, our bread for the day. Jesus, if you look at the original, uses a word that is very rare. And probably it's original for him to use this word. But he's, he's actually saying this. We're asking God for what we need to live on today as a day's rations. That's actually the word, a day's rations. When we do a weekly or a fortnightly shop, or we stock up on food. But if you're living in an agricultural society, you will see that people live from day to day. They knew that food came to the table on a daily basis. So how do we translate Jesus' thinking for us today? Well, it provides. And if you are content with God's provisions, you're free from anxiety. Contentment is the antidote to anxiety. You know, we often bring anxiety on our own heads. Why? We just want more. We want more. More than God is pleased to give us. And sometimes we plan far too far ahead for our own good. Who can be that certain of the future anyway? Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with planning and providing for the future. But as the Heidelberg Catechism said, as Jesus says, how much are we trust aside? How much worry are you going to put on yourself? This is where the Exodus 16 example fits again. God miraculously provided daily bread, manna from heaven. And you know the story. There's enough for each day. If you took more than you needed, it stank and rotted. And that happened all the years of the wilderness journeys. And do you know what? As soon as Israel entered the promised land, 
the manna stopped. Why do you think that happened? They were in a land of bounty, of abundance, and they were able to get their food from the land that God provided, and so they had food coming to them from a different source, same God, different source, and so the manna stopped. Their day's needs were met. Living close to God frees you from anxiety. Now, when Jesus applies Exodus 16 to the crowds in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells them that it wasn't Moses who supplied the bread from heaven. Jesus says in John 6, It was my Father, and his bread gives life to the world, and his bread is true bread. You need your bread from the Father in heaven. And then Jesus makes this bold declaration. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And you know what Jesus means when you really apply that to yourself? You can't do without food. And so you can't do without Jesus. If you're living your life to think that you can do it all on your own, Anxiety is what's going to happen to you. But if you know your good father and you know how he provides for you, that Jesus is enough, he is the bread of life and he teaches us to pray for our bread, then we are in a contented state. And so the passage we read in Matthew 6, 25 to 34 is Jesus' application of this. He says, your treasure indicates where your priorities are. Now, I have to do a heart check frequently when I think about this. Your treasure indicates where your priorities are. A test that I use for myself. In the morning, when I wake up, the very first thought, what is it? Is it about the day you're facing, the job you've got to do, the pressure you're under, or is it about God? And he's given you a night's rest. He's woken you up. He's going to give you your daily bread. And you're lining up with him, your mind, his mind. I need that heart check every morning. And I check myself to see what is it? That is my very first thought in the morning because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Living in daily dependence on God, trusting that he knows what you need even before you ask him. Verse 8, just before this prayer. So God still wants us to ask. Yes, he wants to be asked because our asking is an expression of trust. And he wants you to live with contentment and with joy on a daily basis. Not just once a week, every day. So do you believe that God wants the best for you? Do you actually believe that? God wants the best for you. He has given, and that is salvation in Jesus Christ, that you might live forever and ever with him. He's given you the most So will he not give you what you daily need to live? He knows what you need and he can supply. 
God wants to do this for his children. It's his offer to us and to go it alone. The God who spoke the universe into existence with a word still holds it with his powerful hand. He is fully capable of looking after you. And so praying this prayer is an expression of your trust in him. You know, Jesus talks about the birds. As I conclude, whether we should take a lesson from the birds. Back in my home when I grew up, uh, in the hallway, my mum had a plaque. And it was a beautiful poem. And the title of the poem was called Overheard in an Orchard. And I think it's up on the slide. Said the robin to the spray, these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Do you need a lesson from the birds? So here's the challenge as we finish. Are you ready to fully trust in the Lord for all your todays and your tomorrows? Will you be prepared to live daily out of his hands as we've tried to unpack that today, to really acknowledge everything comes from him and we can trust him for it. But work without worry, work without fear, be content and free from anxiety it will give you relief. It will release you to serve him with joy and gladness. And that makes us then ready to partner with him to let his kingdom come. Amen. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, your word sometimes surprises us with its simplicity and yet its depth. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for these eternal words, part of your prayer, and a prayer that you are teaching us to pray about expecting the necessities of life on a daily basis from your hand. And Lord, if you have given us the greater, the life of your one and only Son, why shouldn't we be ready and willing to accept that you'll give us what we need. Lord, you've proven to be a just-in-time God, as many of us have experienced, and as I experience today, just-in-time God. Other times you give us more so that we can share communally and globally. And our prayer, Lord Jesus, is that as you have given us the big agenda of your kingdom coming, we want to be ready and acknowledge that even our daily bread comes from you, which means our strength comes from you. Give us that um, contentment, I pray, so that we can go into the day looking forward to the provisions of a heavenly Father who loves us more than we'll ever know and certainly more than we ever deserve. In Jesus' name we pray.